Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Demera and Diardo Show. My name is Brian Diardo. Um, excited to have you on board. Max will be joining us here in just a moment. We'll talk. Who knows? Last time we talked for a long time. I think this one will be a little bit shorter. Probably around the one-hour mark. We're going to discuss lots of things NFL-related. Talking about uh, this past weekend, what happened. And I believe the last time, Max, I did this podcast, the Lions were looking pretty good and the Steelers were looking pretty bad. Uh, I'm not saying the Steelers look good now, but uh, they're in a little bit better shape. That being said, I do have Detroit winning this weekend. I think we have Max on the line. How's it going, Max? Hey, great to be here. Yeah, it, it, the nose dive for the Lions, well, it's typical. You know, always this time of year, it's always like they go in reverse, two steps forward early, like 15 steps back. But, you know, that's what makes it all so exciting. You never know what's going to happen week to week. And I believe the last time, before we did the show the last time, it was obviously the game against Green Bay. And you know what? I think it's a direct correlation. Everything that happened in that game, the refs, all the, the trouble they had, you know, if they could have stolen that win in Green Bay, which, you know, it looked possible at the very end, we could be talking about an entirely different Lions season right now. But, you know, that's, that's what happens. They, they, they weren't able to do it. And, of course, I think it's just kind of all gone south from there in terms of injuries, obviously the Matthew Stafford injury and everything like that. So you're not wrong. The Steelers are looking a little bit better than the Lions right now. And as I told you, don't give up because, you know, everybody was kind of jumping off the bandwagon at that point. I'm glad that any Steelers fans might not have because I said you never know what can happen. You know, if you're right there, you can always be there at the end. And it looks like they're going to be there at least at the end in, in terms of uh, in the mix for a wild card spot, perhaps, or continuing to be in the mix for one. So it's just crazy. You never know what can happen in football at all. No, you can't. And that's that's apparent pretty much every week. Um, you, you just see it all the time. With, with Detroit, it, it kind of like watching them during the year, I don't get a chance to see them very often. Um, it does look like they, they have good parts. You know, Galladay is, is a really good receiver. He makes a lot of tough catches. Um, it seems like that Packers game, he was making a ton of catches early in that game. That seems like a little off topic here. That seems like the game that kind of kind of put things in a negative light for Detroit or kind of started the, the downturn. Um, the last time we talked, I remember you saying, you know, it, it's okay if they start out slow. They've got a tough, you know, schedule coming up. If they can just get through this schedule, they'll be okay. Um What's your synopsis now on the team? Because, again, I, I don't get to see them very often. Uh, they've played in some crazy games. I think the Vikings game earlier this season was kind of crazy. Um, it, it just seems like, you know, they have good pieces, but not enough. Um, and to me, on the outside looking in, it seems like the Lions' defense has really underperformed, um, which with Patricia is surprising. But, but that being said, he's not the first defensive coach or head coach with, this, with a defensive background that struggled – with that side of the ball as a head coach, for whatever reason. Um, what's your take on Detroit's season? And obviously the injury to Stafford uh, doesn't help at all either. Um, but, but yeah, what, what's your take on what's going on there? Well, I think you're right. I think it just kind of casts a pall. The Stafford injury, you know, it kind of muddies the water here because before Stafford's injury, look, the defense wasn't playing great. However, they were able to stay in a lot of games 
think back to the game in, um, of course, against the Oakland Raiders where, you know, I mean, the Raiders just jammed the ball down their throat, did whatever they wanted, yet the Lions were there with a chance with two seconds on the the one-yard line to basically tie the game, send it to overtime, and if you get to overtime, you never know what can happen. But, you know, it's going to be so hard to judge what happens in 2019 with the Lions simply because you've got Stafford's injury. And more than that, you've had uh, injury to Tracy Walker. The Lions obviously trade Quandre Diggs, which was a bit of a surprise uh, for a fifth-round draft pick to Seattle. Now, Diggs goes out to Seattle, does really well right off the bat, but his hand-picked replacement kind of has been Tracy Walker. Well, he goes down with a knee injury right away. They haven't been able to keep Deshaun Hand healthy up front. He's been pretty good early in his career. Uh, you know, they've had trouble with Deshaun Robinson's health. He's been in and out, and certainly Mike Daniels as well. It has just been – it's not been healthy – throughout now that being said I don't look at that as kind of an excuse at all for the team I think the defense is woefully underperformed they haven't looked consistent at all um, in any phase whether it's rushing the passer they still can't get heat on the quarterback minus of course Trey Flowers who's come on Uh, they can't really defend the pass you know minus of course Darius Slay who does all he can out there I mean their their uh, acquisition of Justin Coleman was smart he's been good but you know, Slay and Coleman can't do it alone, especially when there's injuries and all these other troubles. So, you know, I, to be honest, I mean, you know, you never want to say a season's over because you never know what can happen. But in the NFC, I think the wild card's a little bit more, um, you know, stringent. It's going to be a lot harder for whoever wins that to break through because of just the sheer numbers. I mean, Detroit has three teams ahead of them in the NFC North. They're at three, six, and one. You're not going to probably pass the Vikings. You're not obviously probably going to pass the Packers. You gotta have to depend on somebody losing out in the NFC East and NFC South, and there's just too many parts. So you know, I think it's safe to say the Lions' season essentially is over at this point, and really what they're playing for is pride, trying to finish this thing out strong for Matt Patricia, who you know to avoid the questions about okay, can he really get off the ground here in Detroit? They want to have a solid finish to the year for that reason. Now. You know, I don't necessarily advocate for, you know, finishing strong. I I say if you're the Lions, what you should do is, you know what, sit down Stafford. Don't let this back injury get any worse. And I wrote about it yesterday, um, you know, why they should should sideline him. Because I just feel like it's, it's a smarter move to keep him on the sidelines right now. With all things considered, getting a look at Jeff Driscoll, because the Lions have not had a a backup quarterback in in ages that you know you can count on. Driscoll, he's been okay. He's moved the ball. He's not the reason the Lions are losing. They've been in these games, if not for the defense. So, you know, getting a look at him, getting your draft stock improved, Lions now have a top 10 pick, or at least are inching towards the top 10. It could get even better. They play, of course, Washington this weekend, who's ahead of them. They played the Broncos, of course. They play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down the stretch. So they have a lot of chances to kind of improve or, or, you know, have that draft stock go down. But, you know, I think at this point the Lions season kind of is what it is. It's over. You can't really count on their defense and their offense. You know, they might be enough to win a few games here and there. But, you know, it is what it is. And I just think the Lions at this point should probably just fold their tent and look more towards 2020. What they can do to improve the biggest positions in need on this team, which obviously I think lie on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, you've seen running back exposed a little bit, um, given the, the injury to carry on Johnson. Um, they're trying some guys out there. I think Bo Scarborough had a really good debut and make, make a case for 2020, but you need help there. Uh, but beyond that, I think the defense is a lot to clean up. And I think that, you know, it's just going to kind of be a case of playing for pride, seeing where you end up in the draft standings. And, and you know, as sad as it is for Lions fans, it's frustrating you know, you have to be honest and say kind of that's where things are headed the rest of 2019 this year. Yeah, and it's tough. The NFL right now, um, 
is crazy just because of the parody, you know. And and at the beginning of the season, I remember we were all just kind of like you and me talking, like what is the pecking order in the North? And now it's obviously starting to to fold, you know, to to show face. Um, the Packers are, I would say, well, I don't know, it's either the Packers or the Vikings. But you know, when we talked earlier in the year, you could make a case for you know, any of the four teams. I mean, obviously the Lions would have yeah. to play above their neck a little bit, but, I mean, it was pretty wide open. Now, you know, Chicago, my goodness. I mean, that offense, uh, Trubisky, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's ugly. That's all you can say. It's ugly. I don't have them winning yep. this week. Um, no, I do. I have them, I have them rebounding at home. I, I don't think they're going to completely nosedive. I think they'll hover around 500 still. But, I mean, this, this, this league really is a year-in and year-out thing. If you, if you just kind of – Bear with me here. We're looking over the NFC first. I mean, the NFC West is just kind of, or East, I'm sorry, is kind of wide open like it always is. You've got Dallas and Philly kind of, kind of battling it out. Um, I think Dallas is the better team. They should be the better team. But, but you traditionally, historically, that doesn't mean that Dallas is going to win that that division. I do have them winning uh, in New England on Sunday. They're actually a pretty considerable underdog. They're like six and a half points. But I, I think Dallas is going to win. I think. The reason why New England is favored, A, because they have Belichick, Dallas has Garrett. And I think the other cool. thing is it's the Patriots. It, it's the Patriots in that defense. But, I mean, New England's offense uh, hasn't looked good to me at all. Um, I think uh, if I had to take one team out of the NFC, uh, I'm taking uh, the Saints. They're the most complete team. Uh, they've allowed under 200 points this season. Uh, not the best defense in the NFC. That belongs in San Francisco. But San Francisco, to me, um, might be the – most talented team, top to bottom, but if you know if it comes down to quarterbacks, give me Breeze. Uh, the Saints' defense isn't a ton worse than the, the 49ers. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I think – but I will say uh, you've got to stop the 49ers running game, uh, which, you know, this past Sunday was the first time a team has shut it down and the Niners still were able to win. Um, Seattle's my wild card team in terms of they, – they could be a team that could, that could upset the Saints, um, they're they're just kind of playing with that kind of destiny thing. Uh, I love what I've seen from Russell Wilson this year. I think he's used Chris Carson really well. I thought when they lost Disley, they'd be in a lot of trouble, and shoot, they figured it out. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking with the end of, you know with the NFC. Uh, it's 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 pretty not wide open. I mean, you've got Dallas and the Eagles in the in the East. You've got Green Bay, Minnesota in the North. You've got New Orleans all by themselves in the South. And then the West is, is pretty wide open. Um, I don't think the Rams are going to make the playoffs. I, I just think there's – I think I think Minnesota's going to make it. And I think well, – actually, no, I'll, no, I don't because I think Seattle's going to make it too. So the Rams are going to be left out. Um, so what is your best team? Like what team do you think right now if, if the Super Bowl started, you know, kicked off tomorrow, who do you think is playing from the NFC side? I mean, I, I'm with you on Seattle. I just love what they've done. You know, you watch that defense and how they've been able to remake it. When you think about a couple of ex-Lions players going there, obviously Ziggy Ansa, of course, and now uh, Quandre Diggs. I mean, I think Diggs could be, you know, a wild card piece, like one of the best deadline acquisitions that nobody's really talking about. But he fits their scheme so well. And, you know, he was able to get that interception the first game. You give that defense any little bit of edge. And you already know what the offense can do. As you said, Russell Wilson's playing great at really arguably an MVP level right now. And certainly um, no lack of weapon, weapons there offensively. So, you know, I really like, I, I really like Seattle. I mean, it's a, again, the home crowd there, tough place to win, although New Orleans did do it. So New Orleans, you know, you've got to consider them. I think they're a team you throw into the mix. I'm with you on, on the 49ers. Look, 
I'm just not sold. I have to see them continue to do it. I have to, you know, it's going to be one of those things where I have to see them win multiple games, win the division, win through through the playoffs to to really believe in that because for some reason I just can't until I see it consistently. Now, they've got a good defense. They've got, you know, the the makings of a of a decent offense that can really move the ball and continue to win, but you know, as you said, I just I'm taking the, you know, and not that the Garoppolo was is, you know, not established in the NFL, but I'm I'm taking a guy like Breeze. I'm taking a guy like Russell Wilson over that. And certainly, I don't think you can forget, you know, the NFC North here. I mean, a lot of people overlook um, what Minnesota has done. But look, you know, all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins. A month ago, he was everybody's roadkill. You know, everybody said, "Oh, Kirk Cousins. You know, he never wins a big game. He never puts up. You know, he can't. You can't put up points." Well, all of a sudden, the Vikings are putting up points. They've got a good running game. You know, the defense is good with Zimmer. And they're just quietly going about their business winning games. And, you know, they could be a team that, that gets in on the wild card and makes some noise, um, you know, if Cousins is able to put it together. And certainly, you know, you can't forget, obviously, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. That defense has been, um, you know, much better now that they've, they've made the, uh, the addition to the Smith brothers, certainly, and, and, you know, what they've done there on that side of the ball with Mike Pettin. So, you know, I think that those are kind of my big four right now in terms of, of you know, NFC. I don't really take the NFC East seriously as much. I think it's it's a down year this year for them. Um, you know, you, you look at what, what Dallas did. They, you know, they beat the Lions last weekend, but in, in my eyes, it wasn't impressive. Their offense is impressive, but I think that defense uh, is nowhere near as good as some of the other defenses that we're talking about with these teams. Even New Orleans uh, plays some pretty good defense. So, you know, I, I just kind of see it that way. And, and if I had to say, you know, who would I think would come out of the NFC to go to the Super Bowl, you know, I would have to say I think I think Seattle's got a great shot at this point in time right now. Uh, with making a run, you know, certainly uh, Seattle, New Orleans, I think you can see those teams play again. Um, and it would be a great game to see how they would face off. I and mean, the winner of that might end up going on to the Super Bowl in my eyes. But there are some teams from the North, I think, um, that, that really are going to be battle-tested here, obviously having played, you know, the NFC West and, you know, run that gauntlet. Um, if, if one of those teams comes out of it, uh, they could be a team that makes a run as well, certainly with Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback, and, It'd be a great story if, if a guy like Kirk Cousins could really rally the troops and you know make a run in the playoffs because he was so maligned not a month ago. I mean everybody was was writing him off, and then certainly I think it started with that game in Detroit where he really the Lions kept throwing punches at him, but he kept hammering back, and they ended up winning a shootout. I think that kind of proved to me, hey, you know they can be better than uh, than a lot of people think this year. So those are kind of my top four in the NFC. I think in terms of AFC. Look, you know what? There's no mystery here. I mean, it goes to New England. It always will, as long as Brady and Belichick are there. You know, I don't care who exposes what with them, what cracks there might be. Oh, you know, what what team? Look, you're still going to have to go to Foxborough and win in January in order to prove that you belong. And, you know, who do you see being able to do that? I mean, maybe Kansas City, maybe. But, look, I, I, I don't I don't foresee that happening. So I think they're going to continue to play strong. And I think it's going to kind of be New England again no matter what people might be frustrated about, I kind of see that playing out. So, you know, could it be, uh, or, or, you know, a game Seattle versus New England, kind of a redemption Super Bowl for, for New England in that aspect, or, you know, or for Seattle in that aspect, having lost to New England? It'd be very interesting to see. I, that's kind of how I see it in both sides right now. Teams I want to see in the Super Bowl, I, I would like – I think it'd be fun to see the Niners back in it. Um you know, yeah. I mean, we were kids growing up when the Niners were the Niners. You know what I mean? And, and so I think for nostalgic purposes, that'd be kind of cool. Um, plus, they're a fun offense to watch. They're a fun team to watch. I've covered them a couple times. Every, I think three or four times already this year. And every time I cover them, it's, 
it's exciting. It's a fun game. I like Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I like some of the guys. I like Richard Sherman. I've come around on Richard Sherman. I don't know about you. I, I didn't obviously didn't like him. I thought he just talked a lot earlier in his career, which for whatever reason at that time yeah. used to rub me the wrong way. Now I, I kind of like it if guys can back it up. Um, and he is respectful of opponents that he respects. Um, uh, you know, obviously, now my wife's a big Drew Brees person, big fan of him. So happy wife, happy wife. So I'd be okay with them. Um, as much as you know, one of my best friends is a Packer fan, but I honestly don't care. I, I don't need to see them in a Super Bowl. Um, Minnesota, I think, would be the team I'd like to see above anybody. Um, they've never won a Super Bowl. Um, I think it'd be really cool to see Dalvin Cook and, and those receivers. And, and like you said, it kind of, you know, their quarterback to see if he could get it done uh, finally because, you know, I don't think he's ever won a playoff game. Uh, the AFC, I, I think I think Baltimore can do it. I, I think they've got uh, yeah. the complete package. Um, I think – Ingram was one of the best free agent acquisitions of the year. Um, I think we both, I know we both agree on that. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's so exciting. He's such an exciting player. Uh, you know, Marquise Brown, if he can stay healthy, which is going to be the key, um, they need another number two receiver that, that they need to go out in the draft or free agency and get him. It bothers me watching Keenan Allen play because I just keep wondering, I just keep thinking this guy should be on a playoff contender because he's so good. He's wasting this season in Los Angeles um, with Philip Rivers, I wish he was on a playoff team uh, because I think he could be the missing piece on a team somewhere. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs last night, um, you know, they, they showed that the defense, you know, can win a game. That being said, I think it was more of the Chargers blowing it than the Chiefs winning it. I mean, Rivers, for whatever reason, just with those low percentage passes downfield, I don't think Rivers is washed. I just think he's making a lot of poor decisions, which does that mean you're washed? Uh, I don't know. But um, let's look at the Lions more and then – We'll, we'll break down my team. Gosh, where do you start? But, yeah, with the Lions, you know, they're 3-6-1. and one. You know, they, they've had – I mean, it's not like they're getting blown out. I mean, uh, you look at the Packers game, they lost by five. That was the game that I think we both agree kind of started the downward trend. Um, they scored 30 against the Vikings. They gave up 42. Obviously, that game was the crazy game with the long fumble return, all that crazy stuff. They beat the Giants. Um you know, which that's what you're supposed to do. The Giants are a bad team. Detroit handled their business. The the Raiders at in Oakland, tough loss. I mean, lost by seven. They go to Chicago, lose by seven again. Again, they're in all these close games. Uh, the Cowboys, they lose by eight this past weekend. Again, another, you know, one possession game. So you go back, their last three losses are all by one possession. The Packers lost by a point, so that's four. They lose the, the Chiefs by four, so that's five, five losses, you know, all, all in one possession games. So, I mean, if they win two of those games, they're in the hunt. They they win three, they're over 500. So th- this is not a bad team to what you've been saying. Um, injuries and, and not being able to trust the defense are the, the main reasons why Detroit is where they are. So they've got the Redskins this weekend. Um, you can't imagine Washington playing any worse than they did last week. Um, I picked Detroit mainly because, A, they are playing football that's capable of winning, and, B, I mean, did you see that video of Dwayne Haskins, like, imploring his offensive line to play yeah. for him? Like, that's <laughs> awful. That. Um, I, I, don't see, right. I don't see Detroit winning or losing that game. Um, then they go to – then they, they host the Bears. So, you win that game, you're 5-6-1. Um, I, I think that the, the, the games on their schedule that they can win coming up, they can beat Washington, they can beat Chicago. The Vikings is going to be tough, especially at Minnesota. But they can beat the Buccaneers at home the next week in Week 15. They could beat Denver in Denver in, in week 16, 
And then you've obviously got the Packers at home week 17, and that's your Super Bowl. That, that's your Super Bowl. And maybe you have Stafford back at that point. I don't know. So, you know, I, I can see Detroit winning six or seven games um, and finishing the year with obviously not the kind of season Detroit wanted going in. But I could definitely see them winning six or seven games looking at that schedule. And I think you're right. I think that's kind of what what you you know if you're a Lions fan or if you're if you're you know if you, let's say you're you know Bob Quinn or Martha Ford or one of these people looking on the outside to kind of gauge how you are how you're doing, if they could win seven, let's say seven, okay, you know considering the fact that you you had Stafford missing for a chunk of games, how many ever it is, and you had you know, all these problems on the defense and you had all of these these injuries you had to fight through and you had all these close losses and with you know the refs again against Green Bay and all these things that happened. If you were to finish with seven wins, that's a one-game improvement over what you had last year uh, at six and ten. So you know, a lot of Lions fans will say that's not an improvement, and you know, I get it. It's really it's 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 a it's hard sell when you look at it and say, can you really sell that as an improvement? But I think that it would be taken very differently in Allen Park and all the halls around there because I think you'd be look people would be looking at it and saying, well, look. You know, there was all these extenuating circumstances that led to that, and yet you still were able to have a better record. You have that one tie, which, I mean, if you if you win that one, you know, let's just say you put away what was a, a double-digit lead in the second half out there, um, and you win that, then that's eight games. Then you're eight and eight, essentially. And that's, you know, from six and ten to eight and eight is improvement. Now, it's, it's not going to be that way because they didn't win that game, but still – uh, it was a pretty crazy circumstance scenario that led to that tie, how everything played out and how nobody was able to score in overtime and decide a winner. So, you know, I, right or wrong, I think that's kind of what you're looking at if you're a Lions fan is that, you know, can you finish the season strong? Now, if they bottom out and lose some of these games, you know, like you said, Washington, I mean, obviously you think you win that one, right? And then Chicago is a game that you can win. You, you almost beat them in Chicago, if not for a few touchdowns. So if you lose a few of these and then you finish, you know, you bottom out and you have a high draft pick, um, still, you know, people wonder, why well, are they going to fire Matt Patricia? Is Bob Quinn in trouble? Look, it's not going to happen. I mean, I hate to, to, to be the bearer of bad news here, but, you know, Martha Ford has, has kind of hitched her wagons to, to certainly Quinn and then, of course, by default to Patricia, a guy that she just hired, you know, a year ago, less, you know, almost a year ago now, obviously. Um, he's going to have two years on the job, but, you know, can you really say – that, you know, that these guys all need to go to clean. They need to make a clean sweep here in two years, and she's going to get rid of everybody. It's not going to happen. It's not It's not even on the, the – I don't think it's even in the realm of possibility. Because of the injuries, because of they're still building, they're still trying to get their, their guys in the scheme, the system. So I think what, if you, what you do if you're the Lions is you continue to load up um, and you try to, you know, get the best draft pick you can or, you know, wherever you finish, you finish. Then you identify what big needs you have. Certainly, I think most of them are on the defensive side of the ball, pass rush, linebackers, secondary. You need to add some more pieces there. And then certainly you kind of judge it based on that and then go forward into the offseason with more money to spend. I'll have a decent amount again in free agency. And then, you know, try to fix those needs. And then you look at 2020 with a healthy staffer, you know, year three of Patricia and Quinn, expected or year three of Patricia, year six of Quinn, you look at it and say, that's the year. This team has to make the playoffs. They have to, to accomplish some things or else you know, it's got to be a blowout here and you've got to make moves then. I think you have to give it another year. I think that that's how they would approach it. They would give it that time. They're not going to do it this year. But like you said, if you can finish the season strong with a few wins here or there, get some momentum, get some positivity, maybe get Stafford back. You know, if you get him back, have him continue to feel good, maybe get some wins down the stretch, keep him healthy, 
get the defense back on track. Maybe you go into 2020 with some momentum for a big season. And I think after 2020, we can judge what Ms. Matt Patricia is, what Bob Quinn is, um, and kind of you know, have a referendum on their tenures, given it would be three years for Patricia, six years for Quinn. And I think that's easy to make a decision at the end of that. If you don't make the playoffs, have another year like this, depending on, you know, no matter whether it's injuries or not, at that point you can, you can say, hey, these guys need to go if this team doesn't get on the right track. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Lions um, as a whole right now. And I think that, I think that that's how it's going to play out um, as well. I don't foresee any big changes here, no matter how the team finishes. I don't think Martha Ford's a reactionary owner. I think she's somebody that will be more, uh, you know, akin to look at this and say, okay, you know, here's what happened. Here's what needs to improve. You're going to have time to do it. You're going to need to do it in 2020, and that's going to kind of be the rallying cry, I think, uh, for the Lions moving forward. Yeah, it's it's tough, it, it, you know, and, and they, you know, like we've discussed, they play in, in one of the hardest divisions in the NFL. Um who do you see being a pro bowler? I mean, if, if there's any pro bowlers on this team, I mean, Galladay, I mean, I would say, you know, yeah. if anybody, I, I mean, I think, I think for sure, um, right. I think for sure Stafford was on his way this year. Stafford was on his he way. Was having a, he killed him. Yeah. Right. And, and I think Galladay, like you said, and, you know, and I, I actually did write a piece about it, you know, who the Lions fans should really stump for to get into this pro bowl. I think Galladay is, uh, is the slam dunk. I mean, this guy, so quiet, you know, you think of, like you said, Keenan Allen, you know, he's a guy that rolls right off your tongue. I mean, you have these guys that just, you know, are the great young wide receivers in the game that really are great, but not enough people take Galladay seriously. I mean, this guy, he didn't even have a huge game against uh, the Dallas Cowboys last week, but he made that last catch, you know, on the, the Dallas 40-yard line on basically what was essentially a Hail Mary throw by Jeff Driscoll. He went up and high-pointed it and got it. And it was his only catch of the day, but he's always capable of delivering that, that amazing catch. Even when he doesn't score, doesn't do anything all game. That's why he's kind of like Calvin Johnson to me. It's just that one play that he can make where you go, oh, my God, like he took over that game. So he needs to be, I think, you know, he's the most obvious one right now. I think uh, another guy who makes the case, certainly Marvin Jones. I mean, he, you know, not a lot of people are going to give him the love, but another two-touchdown game against Dallas. I believe he has over 700 yards receiving now this season. Um, he had that four-touchdown explosion uh, when he played against the uh, the Minnesota Vikings in that one game. So he's going to have the numbers as well. So I think those two, uh, certainly, and as you said, Stafford, you know, I think the injury just, just totally kills the, any chance of that, unfortunately, because he should have been in. Um, but I think Galladay and Marvin Jones are the two obvious ones right now on offense. I don't really think they have anybody on defense this year. Darius Slay, he's been hurt too. Uh, he was a pro bowler last year. Or he's been a guy that's been, you know, voted in before, kind of, you know, gotten the alternate spot and gotten in. I don't think he's, he's got a case this year. He just hasn't had enough big plays. He just hasn't been on the field enough considering that hamstring injury, as sad as it is. Uh, Trey Flowers, he's had a great second half. and He's been a, made a rebound. But I think Galladay and, uh, and I think a guy in, uh, in Marvin Jones are the two you really look at and say those two really are deserving of being pro bowlers. Um, Galladay, a possible all-pro as well. I think he's just—he's been phenomenal this year, and not many people will notice it, uh, given you know, given all the other receivers, given how bad the Lions usually are. But Galladay, I think, is making—I think one of the best cases um, as, as one of the best young wide receivers in the game. And I know we've talked about him before. Much like Juju, same draft class. It'll be very interesting to see how those two compare throughout their career. But I think Galladay definitely has earned it with what he's done so far this year for the Lions, and certainly Marvin Jones as well. Yeah. Um, 
on the Steelers' end, not a single person on the offensive side deserves any Pro Bowl recognition there. It's <laughs> It's been a disaster everywhere. It, it, it really has. I mean, it's it's honestly remarkable they're 5-5. Five five. Um, when they were 1-4, I remember just thinking, okay, like the ceiling is 9. Most realistic will be 7. Um, they saved their season by beating the Chargers. Then they take care of business, kind of like the Browns now, where they started so bad. I mean, the Browns obviously, you know, their, their woes went – you know, much past the Steelers. The Steelers, the bleeding stopped at one and four. The Browns, the bleeding stopped at two and six. Um, now the Browns are starting to, to maybe feast on the easier part of their schedule, but now they have zero margin for error. Now they don't have Miles Garrett for the rest of the season. Um, the Steelers stopped the bleeding in L.A. Uh, in week six, and then they got to feast on the Dolphins and the Bengals to get themselves – well, not, not the Bengals. They beat the Bengals earlier to get their very first one of the year, but they feasted on some weaker teams – uh, they beat um, the Colts, who didn't have Brissett for most of that game. That's the game he got hurt, um, and they had Hoyer, who almost beat them. Uh, and then they, they don't win that game unless Minka Fitzpatrick has that crazy performance. And they may not beat the Dolphins if Fitzpatrick doesn't have that crazy performance. That's why I picked the Dolphins to win the next week, because I just I saw how well they played early against Pittsburgh, and then they got beat by their former player. Um, and then the Steelers had their, their by far their best performance of the season against the L.A. Rams, who – you know, they were they were down some players. Um, but, you know, hey, the Steelers still beat the defending NFC champions and, and looked pretty good doing it. But, you know, Mason, um, I hate saying it, uh, uh, I've lost faith in him. Um, I still think he could be a decent uh, prospect going forward. Um, and for the Steelers fans after the loss to the Browns that are saying, oh, you know, we, we got to see what we have in Hodges. No, you don't. Um, you you To me, this season still isn't – and, Max, maybe we'll disagree. I'd be interested – get your opinion here to me this season for the Steelers is still isn't about making the playoffs because they're not good enough um I think it was I don't recall exactly which game it was it was the Colts game um you know especially after they lost uh uh Brissett, I remember thinking okay you know at some point in this game it dawned on me that this is not a playoff team because the offense just was continuing to be stagnant they haven't started strong in in any game this season they, they've been bad offensively in the first quarter in, in every single game this year. Um, and they always need their defense to build them out. And the only reason why they were remotely in that Browns game Thursday night is because the defense played so well. They lost because, well, along with how bad their offense has been, their defense didn't force a turnover. That's why they I mean, every game they've won, their defense has had to force multiple turnovers. Um, and they have 26 turnovers this year even without getting any last week, that's still number two in the league behind New England. Um, they, I think they're second as well in interceptions. Uh, they're forcing turnovers all the, you know, left and right. And in terms of pro bowlers, Megan Fitzpatrick, if he doesn't play another down this season, he, he might be a pro bowler. Eight passes defensed, five interceptions, uh, one return for a score, a fumble return for a score. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been an amazing player. And if the Steelers do make the playoffs, that would probably mean he's having uh, – continues to make an impact where he might get some defensive player of the year votes, which is insane considering that the Dolphins got rid of him at the start of the season. Um, you know, Watt I think could be a Pro Bowler, 10.5 sacks already this season. I think those two will make the Pro Bowl. Cam Hayward's a fringe with 5.5 sacks. Uh, he's made it the last two years. But I, I think for sure the Steelers are going to have two – with with Watt and with um, with Minka, I mean uh, Devin Bush had a really good season. I mean four fumble recoveries, a touchdown, leads the team with 74 tackles. But 
he's kind of been quiet as of late, so I, I don't think he's a pro bowler. But, you know, back to the Mason thing, like to me, this season's never been about – once they were started one and four, it was never about after that making the playoffs. It was about seeing what you have in Mason Rudolph going forward, you know, kind of seeing, you know, what is the face of this team when Ben comes back? Because, it, it, you know, is this defense going to make strides? Um you know, is James Conner the guy you're going to pay money to moving forward as you're starting running back? Um, is Juju actually a number number one receiver? Um, and I think you're starting to learn those things. With Mason, you've got to know, number one, it was the answer, the question that needed to be answered was, is Mason Rudolph, can he be a heir apparent to Ben? Because Ben's got two years left on his deal. Um, when Mason's rookie contract ends the year that Ben, uh, Ben's, deal is done and everybody at this point kind of expects Ben to just play out his career and then retire that's that's kind of the thought right now so you know when Ben comes back he'll have two years left and pending Ben doesn't get hurt again um you know Mason's not going to play again until a couple more years from now so um obviously a guy will get better sitting on the bench but how much better can you get without playing so to me even if it goes down in flames I I think you ride it out with Mason I, I just do I mean and a lot of people disagree with me there, Max. That that's just kind of my take. I, they're not good enough to win the Super Bowl. Um, they're not good enough to be the Chiefs. They're they're they'll probably get blown out by Baltimore in Week 17 um, unless something miraculous happens. I mean, this this offense is just so bad, um, and it's not all on Mason. I mean, they're like I said, they should have been so much more aggressive when they lost to Antonio. Um, they should have been kind of saying to the the Chargers, whatever you want for for Allen outside of a first-round pick, we'll do it. I would have given up a second-round pick for Keenan Allen for 100%. I mean, they pretty much relied on a rookie, um, Dante Moncrief, who's never been a great receiver, and uh, James Washington to be your number to be your complimentary receivers. That's just not – that wasn't good enough, and that's really hurt the Steelers. And, you know, all the crap that Juju's got – and this is, this is kind of a hot take, Max. I don't think Juju resigns with the Steelers in two years. I think – he's going to go somewhere else because the, the criticism he's received in Pittsburgh is, is ridiculous. Um, you know, and I think a lot of it is fans that are upset that he's a millennial. He's living his life on social media. The Steelers lost the game earlier this year and he's out at a concert enjoying himself. He goes to the pit and other co- local college basketball games. Um, his dog has an Instagram page. <laughs> I mean, he's a millennial <laughs> and a lot of people don't yeah. like him and, and, and that are getting kind of tired of him. So, those are all my Steeler takes, Max. I, I think they. I like it. I don't think they make the postseason. <laughs> I, I think they're going to finish just out. I think Oakland uh, has a much easier schedule than they do. Um, they've got Buffalo coming up. I think. I think they could lose to Cincinnati this weekend with all the injuries they have. So I, I think they'll finish eight and eight or seven and nine, and uh, next year. But 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 I think Steeler fans in general though should be pretty encouraged because um, the defense has arrived a really really good defense and they just they have to get this offense uh better they they need to make some changes on the offensive line um and and they need to uh see what they have at the running back i would probably go out and try to get a running back early because i don't think james connor is is the long-term solution he he's a very nice player he's not special and that would make my dad really mad if you listen to this because he's a big pit <laughs> fan and i like james connor i just don't think he's special um and that's unfortunate uh so yeah, those are kind of my Steeler takes. But with the Mason I, thing, I don't know if you you agree with me there. I like it. 
Well, you know what? I think it's it's so funny. It's so weird how the kind of the Steelers and Lions like parallel each other this year because it's very similar. You know, yeah. you don't. It's kind of like the haves and the have-nots. You kind of figure out where you are, like at the midway point or just before. And we kind of both knew. Well, you know, the Lions probably not going to make the playoffs this year. They might have a chance at making a run at you know keeping relevant. Same with the Steelers. Well, you know, they probably you know they they saved their season. They kind of got back and, and climbed back into contention here. Um, but you know when you lose at the middle midpoint here and you can't afford a loss, that's kind of like what cripples you. So, you know what? It, it's an interesting thing, and, and I'm kind of with you on, on the whole thing with Mason in terms of what you have to do if you're the Steelers, and, and, and certainly I think to a lesser extent even the Lions in a different way. Um, obviously, you see both teams, and they have both quarterbacks or established guys that you know you know they're going to be there when all is said and done. Uh, but you also you know each have been pretty durable, right? But you never know in the NFL what can happen. So, you know, it's so important, I think, to develop somebody that's a backup quarterback that you know you can count on to come in and, and at least, if not win you a game, keep you in a game. And I think, you know, to, to somebody who's an outsider, I think Rudolph has proven he can do that, at least right now for the Steelers. So and I think he's a guy that, that, in that sense, is kind of an ideal backup quarterback. Now, is he the guy that you want to replace Ben Roethlisberger? Look, the jury is still out on that. Probably not, but... He's a guy that you can have at least in the mix to keep you in a game, give you a chance to win. I mean, they've not been really necessarily blown out. I mean, obviously they lost to the Browns pretty handily in that game, but it was close. It was close. You know, it's not like the Browns put a 40 spot out or something. I mean, it was a close game. So much in the way the Lions have Stafford, not really a backup. They don't really know. They're going to look at Jeff Driscoll. He's played well enough to keep him in games. Um, it's funny, the, the Lions and Browns kind of have the opposite problems, right? The Lions' defense is a total disaster, made a lot of overhauls. But the Lions' offense, hey, can win you a game, can keep you in a game. You know, obviously the Steelers, the Steelers' defense has been great, can win you a game, can keep you in a game, but the offense has been and been terrible and been a disaster. So it's kind of funny. Um, you know, Rudolph, it's, it's so hard to say, like you said, with a lot of the things that have happened, uh, a lot of the decisions they've made, you know, I, I'd like to see what Mason Rudolph could have done with, let's say, like you say, a guy like Antonio Brown or a guy like, you know, Le'Veon Bell. If you have those pieces right. around him, if you give him a better piece, you, you could be a whole different quarterback. It could be a whole different situation. So it's it's so hard to judge him based on what you've seen this year because you're not, you don't have a team yet on that offensive side that's, that's developed you know those those weapons has gone out and made a trade for a big name guy like you said like a Keenan Allen or has gone out and signed a big name running back or is committed to you know somebody at wide receiver other than what they're trying to develop so you know I think the jury's still out on that and I think that's okay I don't think you necessarily have to know right now whether or not he's you know the, the heir apparent to Ben I think it's you know you, you learned a lot about him this year you want to continue to get him those snaps get him that experience so you can come away at the end of 2019 with whether you make the playoffs or not of an opinion, an educated opinion where you say, yes, if we add X, Y, and Z to this offense, that he can be the guy that really, you know, helps us moving forward. Or at the very least, he's a guy that can win you a game or two if you need to, if Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt here and there again, or is forced to miss time. So I think that's a key thing. I think for both the Lions and Steelers to really get that knowledge about their backups and continue to know, who they are, if there are people that you want to keep around in the building to build around for the future. And I think, you know, the jury's out on him. I, you know, and I, I agree with you. I don't really necessarily think he's the answer. You know, you don't look at him and think, well, you know, this guy is going to be, a, you know, a guy that's even a Matthew Stafford where, you know, hey, he's going to win you a game. He's going to throw for all these yards. He's going to be this, this you know, quarterback that, that can win you a game on his own. 
Um, but you know what? There's very few of those in the league. I mean, there's some, but you have to kind of, you know, get more time, I think, to, to kind of formulate a plan behind Roethlisberger. And I think that's what they're going to do. Um, but I think it's going to be a part of the process is figuring out what, how he fits in. And if, if he's not the guy, that's okay. Maybe he's the backup. Maybe he's the guy that, you know, hangs around there like a Charlie Batch did in, uh, in Pittsburgh and certainly even Detroit too, you know, a guy that, that, you know, you know, you can depend on to win you a game in, in somebody's absence. So I think that's where the Steelers should be at with this. And I think that's where they will be at when, when all is said and done. Yeah, I agree. You know, and Mason came off arguably his best game of the year. Well, I think the Dolphins game was his best game, but against a quality opponent, uh, the, the Rams game was his best game of the season. Um, Jalen Samuels was their leading rusher in that game with 29 yards. Um, the next week they lose to Cleveland. Mason struggles throwing for 221. Jalen Samuels, again, the leading rusher with 26 yards. James Washington, leading receiver in both games, 90 and 49 yards. So Mason's relying on a second-year running back who was used more as a receiver in college, who's rushing for under 30 yards. That's the support he's getting. And then he's, his number one receiver is a second-year guy that caught 16 passes last year. Um, so, I'm, I, again, not trying to make excuses for him, but he's not getting the most help. Plus, he did beat a Colts team who was in the mix for the playoffs. He beat, uh, you know, the defending champion uh, Rams, uh, made two really nice, you know, lengthy drives, uh, scoring drives in that game. Uh, so, I, I think he, he, he needs more credit. Uh, and like you said, all the injuries they've had, no depth at receiver. Uh, the running back woes have been bad. Uh, to me, the, the, the tale of this season will be – um, the next four games, if they can beat Cincinnati on the road, which is going to be a tough game. I mean, Cincinnati, um, like Detroit, I mean, they're in a lot of one-position games. The difference is Detroit's won some of those games. Cincinnati hasn't won any right. of them. And, and, but, I mean, the Bengals are in a lot of games. I mean, they were just in Oakland. They only lost by seven. Um, if they can win the rematch in Cleveland and they get to seven and five, now we're cooking with gas. Then they go to Arizona. You win, And, and I think – I think the, those two games are going to define their season, Arizona and Buffalo, because they're seven and five after the twelve. Um, if they can win one of those two, and they're eight and five, then you win one of your last two at New York at Baltimore. Now, now you have a chance. But I still don't see them winning more than nine games, and I don't know if nine games will get it done this year. Not with Oakland already at six, and with six games left against pretty easy teams. Um, and then on the other side, I mean Buffalo's already eight, eight and three or seven and three. So I mean, if they go three and three from here on out, they're in. So I think Pittsburgh does finish just out. But again, unlike most Steeler people, to me, this was never about making the playoffs. This was about finding out what you have next year. And what you have next year could be a top five NFL defense. Um, and, you know, and, and you've got to work on your offense. You've got to work on that. But to me, I want to know what I have in Mason going forward. And I think that's what the last six games are all about. So um, last, uh, well, a few more topics here. And uh, if you've been, Listen to the Yardo show, a really original podcast name. We'll try to figure out a better one when we do more of these. <laughs> but uh, MVP, I think to me the top three, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, cause I, I don't, maybe I'm missing someone, but um, Lamar Jackson's number one to me. Uh, number two is Russell Wilson, and number three is Rodgers. Um, those are really original. Again, I'm going all quarterbacks here. Uh <laughs> But that, that's my three. No one's really discussing Rodgers much. If he can win in San Francisco this weekend, which I'm predicting them to do that, which I don't know why I did that, but I did. Um, I think I think Rodgers will start to get his name in the MVP conversation more. Um, Russell Wilson, same thing, if he can continue to keep them winning. Um, 
But I think right now it's it's Lamar's to lose. I think with six games to go, it, it's his MVP award to lose. Uh, the question with Baltimore is: Are they gonna, do they have enough primetime games ahead of them? Um, I, I'm not sure. Let's actually, I can pull up their schedule here now. They've got uh, at the Rams, you know, this weekend. So that's obviously going to be a, oh at night. So obviously there's a, there's a game he can really strengthen his case. Uh, then against the 49ers. So if he plays really well in, in those two games, he and then the Bills after that. So he's got so these three games. I think will determine whether or not Jackson wins it, and he's got to stay healthy, which is. The thing with Lamar that I've been worried about the most, even though he does do a good job not taking big hits, he, he's really good at that um, so far. Uh, then I think after that, it's Russell. I think Russell will end up winning it. I think that Lamar uh, has too many games left against good defensive teams. I think that could hurt him. And he has Pittsburgh at the end of the season, which depending on Pittsburgh where I think they'll be, that'll be the Steelers' Super Bowl. Um, I think the Steelers will – you know what? Shoot. I think Pittsburgh will go 9-7 and seven and they'll beat Baltimore – in week 17, and that'll kind of be their season. That'll kind of be their Super Bowl. Or they at least play well in that game to make you feel good about the future. But I, I think Jackson's the front runner, but I think uh, I think Russell Wilson's going to win it. So what do you think? Well, you know, like you said, it depends on a lot of uh, what Russell Wilson we or, well, what Russell Wilson we see down the stretch and, of course, what Lamar Jackson we see. Because, you know, a lot of people wondered if Jackson could win that game against uh, Houston last week, and, and what you saw wasn't just a win; right. it was like a destruction, like an you know announcement of like I'm here, you know I'm the best, I might be the king right now. And I think if he's able to do that, you know, like you said, against a team like Pittsburgh and some of those other better defenses he plays down the stretch, then you know, like you said, I think it's his to lose. I think it might already be, you know, as I said, Russell Wilson. I think he makes a great case considering what he was able, what he's been able to do this year. Um, if Seattle can get some wins, if they can win out and, you know, win down the stretch and win that division somehow, you know, sneak it away from the, the 49ers, you look, you're making a case right there for him being in the mix. Prohibitive number two, but, man, the way the way that uh, the Jackson has just kind of reinvented the position, you know, and, and the way he's kind of just changed what we think about as a quarterback. Normally you think of, you know, like Brady, you know, Dimpled chin, you know, tall guy, firing long hair out there, you know, standing in the pocket. All of a sudden, now that's out the window. I mean, what what's your next quarterback going to be? Is he going to be a you know a, a jet guy like that? It can it can work. Obviously, if you're seeing Jackson do it, if you have the right mix and you're the right talent, and he's got the arm, he's got the legs, he's got he's the whole package. So it's going to be so hard, I think, for people to ignore that what he's meant to the game what he's meant to the position, what he's meant to kind of the future of the game and kind of, you know, where things go from here for the next generation of football. Um, Look, I think he has, he probably wins it. And, you know, I don't want to say regardless of what he does, if he has some hiccups, like you said, a guy like a Rogers might even crawl back into the mix. But in my opinion, I, you know, I don't think you're seeing Aaron Rodgers do anything outstanding anymore. I think his time has passed. You know, he's kind of on the, the back nine in terms of not only his career, but, you know, what what type of impact he makes. And I think you're seeing a guy in, in Jackson. I mean, you're seeing Deshaun Watson do it as well to a lesser extent, Russell Wilson. These guys are the guys you watch now and kind of marvel at and say, wow, these guys can do all kinds of things on the field. They, they can make an impact on the run. They can make an impact on the pass. They force the defense to think so much about how to defend them that it's, it's so difficult to defend in a quarterback like that and, and win. Even a Mahomes has that ability as well. So these guys, I think, are the guys that, that you kind of put into that MVP mix because they mean so much to their team 
because they mean so much to the league. And, and I think Jackson is a guy that's going to win it hands down this year um, pretty handily, even if he, you know, let's say he has a clunker here and there. He might um, yet have one. But, you know what, I think he's already meant too much. I think that game against, uh, you know, against the Houston was kind of the if – you, if you bookend it with the game against uh, Cincinnati where he went off, the game against Houston, these two games in the middle of the season, I think it's going to be so hard for people to forget. I think that was his statement, kind of like, hey, this is my MVP statement. He's made it. And, and I don't think you'll see anybody have a game close to that the rest of the way this year that really announces their arrival like he kind of did his. So if it's me, I'm giving it to Jackson. I think he's going to be the uh, the next guy. And not just because he's on my fantasy football team and he's dominating for me this year. Oh, nice. But because he's dominating the league. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think right now he's 90% the winner. I think if he has at least two more big moments, and he's going to have the games to do it. I mean, you know, Buffalo with their defense, um, like I said, he's going to have, you know, coming up the 49ers and the Rams. So he's going to have opportunities to really shine. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think it's going to be Jackson. Unless, well, no, I think it's – I still think it's going to be Wilson. But I just think that, unfortunately, something may happen to Jackson or – you know, or if he struggles in these next three games, these are going to be the three best teams he's faced so far. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh was tough early in the year, but their yeah. defense was still kind of coming into its own. You know, Minka was was you know just kind of fresh on the scene and all of that. But uh, but yeah, but I hope I hope Jackson wins it. Not not taking anything away from Russell Wilson, who I like a lot too. Um, Jackson, I, I love the way he handled all the criticism this off season. And last year, to me, I didn't look at it as an indictment against his skill. The guy literally did what he had to do. I mean, no one expected – he wasn't expected to start last year. I mean, Joe Flacco played so poorly that they had no choice to go with him, and they reinvented the offense just so they could do what they had to do to survive. So I'm not going to, you know, put that against or hold that against Lamar Jackson that the guy did what he had to do. You know, plus he didn't have the greatest receivers around him. They brought in Marquise Brown, who, again, if he can stay healthy, those two will be dangerous for years to come. Um they need to get more weapons around them other than that. Like, the NFL, which has been one of my biggest, like, things I've noticed this year, like, there's not a lot of great number twos in the league anymore. Like, what happened? Like, why is that a thing? Yeah. Where, like, again, like, you look at the Lions, it's it's Galladay. You look at the Steelers, it's, it's Juju. You look at and, – and the only team where there's, like, an exception is, like, the, the Niners, where they have Debo Samuel. They don't have any great receivers, but they have a bunch of, like, good ones, like, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, who I liked in the preseason, who's who's shown up lately. Like, uh, you know, the the Seahawks have like one guy. Like, it, it's just like, why is the why are there no number two? You would think in the age of like passing, we would have more really good number twos. But really, the number two has become the running backs and the tight ends. Like you're seeing in yeah. in the Ravens offense, it's 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 Mark Andrews and their other tight ends. You look at uh, the Seahawks now, the guy that's replaced Disley now is making all these catches. You look at San Francisco, even with all their receivers, it's Dwelly that had two touchdowns last week. You know, the Chargers use Eckler as their number two receiver, even though Mike Williams can make some nice catches like he did last night. Like, it's just crazy in this league now. Like, the value of running backs has gone up. Um, I don't think it's anything to do with Le'Veon, even though Le'Veon does kind of, um, you know, represent the new multifaceted back. Um but it's just I just think now it's just become necessity. Like it's a lot easier to get it to these guys in space. NFL teams today love not turning the ball over, trying not to lose games as opposed to winning them. Um, 
yeah, just kind of a crazy observation. On that note, the last thing I wanted to hit up with you is I know we're both NFL nerds uh, historically, which I wear with a badge, so I don't care. But um, <laughs> the NFL 100 just, I think this week, I think maybe even yesterday, came out with the top 100 running backs ever, and they made a uh, tw- top 24 semifinalist list. And out of that on Friday, from there, they're going to announce the 12 that are going to make their – because the NFL uh, Network is unveiling their top 100 players list of all time. And there's going to be 12 running backs on that list. So I'll read them off, and then I'll name to you, Max, in no order, in no order, the, the 12 that I believe should be on that list. So they've got Marcus Allen, Jerome Bettis, Jim Brown, Earl Campbell, Earl Dutch Clark, who I'm going to be honest, I've never heard of. The only guy on the list I've never heard of. <laughs> Eric Dickerson, Dorsett, Marshall Falk, Harold Redgrange, Franco Harris, Hugh McElhaney, uh, Lenny Moore, Miriam Motley, Bronco Nagurski, Walter Payton, Adrian Peterson, Barry Sanders, Gail Sayers, OJ, Emmett, Jim Taylor, Thurman LT, and Steve Van Buren. So those are the four that uh, that are those are the 24. So here's here's my 12, and I'm gonna make a little tweak uh, right now while I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to add him. I'm gonna have to do it. So I'm gonna have to I gotta have to decide real quick on the fly here. Who I'm taking out. Um, but who am I taking out here? Yeah, we'll do it. All right. So here's my 12, Max. And while I'm reading them off, if you want to be delving yours or divvying up yours. I've got Walter Payton in mind. I mean, the top five to me are like, or top six are like super easy. Walter, Barry, yeah. Jim Brown, Emmett, Gail Sayers, and Eric Dickerson. Like, that's super easy. Don't even have to think about it. After that, yeah. I've – OJ needs to be in, even though he's crazy. Um, he was the first yeah. guy. He's the only guy to rush for over 2,000 in the season. Like – and the NFL NFL films at the end of the 70s named him the best player in the entire decade. So he has to be in just by that. I've got Red Grange because I wanted one old-timer to make it. So Red Grange. I've got LT because he was like the first fantasy freak guy that got all those points and, you know, was really such a, a weapon for the Chargers that entire decade. Um, I've got uh, – I'm taking out – oh, I hate doing this. I'm taking out uh, Marcus Allen, which I hate doing. I hate taking out Marcus Allen. Um, but he – no, I'm going to change my mind. I'm taking out Thurman. Even though Thurman was so good, people forget how good Thurman was. Um, he was kind of the, the spearhead of those four Bill Super Bowl teams. He's the first guy out. Um, but Franco makes it because he was the linchpin of four Super Bowl winning teams, not losing teams. Uh, I can't take out Marcus Allen. I mean, he took – uh, the receiving running back to a whole new level um, was so good for so long. A Super Bowl MVP, uh, yeah, he makes it for me. And then the last guy is Lenny Moore, who was – I mean, Marcus took it to another level, but Lenny Moore was really the first versatile back and did everything, won championships with the Colts, was way ahead of his time in the 50s and, and early 60s. So uh, that's my 12. Um, uh uh, Adrian Peterson and I would say uh, Thurman Thomas are my top two, and obviously Jerome Bettis are my top three that didn't make the list. But uh, you know, if you have to go top four, um, I mean, my father always says Jim Brown's the best ever. But right after that, I'm going to go Barry, Walter, uh, and then Gail Sayers, and then Emmett Smith is fifth because yeah, Emmett Smith was really good, but you know, he never looked special to me. He was very, very good, but uh, um, 
I just think there's too many guys that were better than him. But he's in my top 12. So, um, yeah, what do you what do you think about this list? It's about the same. I uh, Really, I think I, I'm with you on that. I mean, obviously, I, I put Jim Brown number one, obviously, for my top four. And I, I would think Barry number two, Peyton number three, Gail Sayers number four. I mean, I think that's you know, pretty obvious, the names. Where you put them, a lot to do with, you know, where you think they are. I think number five would be Emmett for me, like you said. You can't ignore the numbers, but he's a guy that that really has, you know, did he did he wow you? Did he do what those those top four did in terms of the type of runs, the type of style? He never did for me, and and I think that that you know he put up great numbers, but he also had great teams to do it with. So I've got him just outside the top four. Um, you know, I think you, you can't leave out Dickerson. He, he was phenomenal. What he did, just you just can't ignore that. O.J. Simpson, I, I have him as well. I mean, come on, you can't ignore what he did. You can't ignore the fact that he did the 2,000 yards. You can't ignore, you know, how consistent he was to his career. Hall of Famer. Um, you know, ignore the off-field things. It is what it is. You can't, <laughs> you can't go nitpicking based on off-field things for people. So uh, you, you got to put OJ in. Um, I got for my old timer. I got Dutch Clark for the Lions. He's in the Lions Ring of Fame. He's a guy that really. You know, got it done. He was the first. I think he was the first. Maybe the first number they even retired. I know you said I don't even know Dutch Clark. Well, luckily in Detroit, I know a little bit about Dutch Clark, and he was a guy that that really kind of carried the load for those early Lions teams. You know, and, and did all those things that you expect a running back in the old days to do. So I got him uh, on my list. I think he said, like you said, LT. Um, just how he changed the game. He kind of was, you know, a guy that really came out of nowhere to do what he did. Nobody really saw him play in college, certainly at, at uh, TCU. He was able to come out and do those things at, at that time in the league. We're really a running back, you know, like we have said. We're a running back at that time was kind of slipping. It was kind of the time where, you know, who was the elite running back in the mid-2000s? And boom, there was, there was LT, and he was the guy. So he's kind of the guy for that year. I think Marcus Allen, like you said, you can't leave him off. He just did so much through the years uh, when, you know, certainly – with with uh, with Oakland when they were the L.A. Raiders, certainly you think back to all those things he did there. You can't ignore him. Um, I've got Thurman Thomas on the list. Barry Sanders loves Thurman Thomas, so I love Thurman Thomas too. He always speaks highly of Thurman. Him and Thurman have a great relationship being both OSU guys. So, you know, what he was able to do those years in Buffalo, um, you know, helping that ground attack, helping lead that team to those Super Bowls along with Jim Kelly, um, they're always impressive to me. It's, it's hard for teams like Buffalo. And I think about the Rust Belt teams, right? You know, Detroit, you know, Buffalo, Cleveland. I mean, these teams don't make the Super Bowl, you know, on the regular. And certainly Buffalo did all those years. And I think Thurman Thomas had a huge hand in what they were able to do. So career-wise, I put him in there. And I think AT, I put AT in that, that list for my final one, top 12. I mean, again, that same time, right after or right during LT, you know, okay, who's next? There wasn't a lot of people. There wasn't a lot of dearth of names, and there he was. He was a guy that really came out of nowhere, and, and you knew what he did at, at, at Oklahoma, but, you know, with that style, could he do it in the NFL? And Yes, he did, and then not only that, he rebounds from the ACL, has a great season after the injury. Um, just to throw a full body work, it impresses me, and then right after that, I got Franco, like you said. He didn't make my top 12, but, hey, he's right on the edge a guy that won all those Super Bowls, had so many highlight real plays through the years with those great teams. Um, but that's kind of how my top 12 stacks up. And I think, like you said, for the top four, it's just a matter of, of what era you're in. I mean, look, we might be the only two young guys <laughs> that put Jim Brown number one. Right. When you listen to those guys, 
they said it was always Barry Sanders, and I believe I, I even think Gail Sayers and certainly Peyton to a lesser extent. They always they always looked up to to Jim Brown, so we never saw him play. But you have to honor that. You have to give those guys that respect. So I would have him as my number one, certainly, and Barry number two, based on what he was able to do. Then Gail, um, and then uh, and then Walter Payton. So that's how I see it. I think it'll be interesting to see who gets on, you know, makes that list. Uh, but I think it's going to be very similar to kind of how we see it in terms of the top four. Right, and guys, I wish made it, but I, I couldn't give them room. Earl Campbell, who was really good, but yep. I think Bettis is the best physical back ever. So if, if Bettis isn't making it, I can't put Campbell in there. Um, yep. I I love Tony Dorsett, pit guy. Yep. Uh, just honestly spent the second half of his career on irrelevant Cowboy teams and was not like a he, – he wasn't – he was great for his time, but like didn't catch the ball. I wasn't asked to, though, to be fair. Um, he definitely could catch the ball, but, but didn't really – you know, was pretty, you know, just one-dimensional as a running back. Uh, the guy that I think people would be the most upset with us for leaving out is Marshall Falk. I just, to be honest, yeah. like he was more of a product of his system. Like, he was really good. I thought Mar- I thought he was great. Um, my thing was, not that he broke down early per se, because he played 12 years, but, like, I feel like he was, like, really getting into his own, and then around, like, 03, 04 started having those injuries. And I feel like if he had more time as a Ram, um, probably would have easily made my list. And I think everybody else that makes a list is going to – I think Falk will make this final list. I think I think guys that will actually make this list, no doubt. Um, Jim Brown, uh, Dickerson, uh, I think Falk does make the list. Uh, I think Franco does, but it's near the bottom. Um, I think that Lenny Moore should make it. I think Bronco will make it for sure. I think AP, because he is good, but also recency biased. Barry Gale. Um, I think OJ makes it, but he's near the bottom. Emmett, and uh, I think that's it. Maybe, maybe LT. Um, I think LT does too. Again, I think more recency bias. And LT was great. I mean, he was phenomenal. But yeah, I, why did you leave off um, um, Marshall Falk? I guess for me, I just I didn't think he was that special. I to me, you got to be able to win games between the tackles. Um, I don't ever right. remember a game. I'm sure there were a few, but I don't ever remember him winning a big game between the tackles. It was always him doing more things as a receiver. Um, oh, and again, right. yeah, I, I would I would it. have Roger Craig over Marshall Falk. Yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right with that assessment. You know, it was always that Mike Martz, you know, run and shoot, that, that really fast-paced offense. And he was always really good as a receiver. But, you know, this is a running back list. I mean, not to doubt that the fact that he couldn't run and, and make plays with his legs, but when you look at the top four, Think about those guys that we all said in the top four, even the top ten, let's say. All those guys could always, you know, find their own holes, make their own yards. They were never, I mean, they were never in doubt in terms of what they could do as a running back. And like you said, you know, did Falk really, you know, do that, have that in him to be able to to grind out yards like a guy like Dickerson could or even Barry Sanders in a way, you know, to hit those big plays on, on the ground? We remember him more as a receiver, and I think it, it has a lot to do with that Mike Martz offense. You know, and before even that, of course, the uh, the Dick Vermeil offense that they had. Not that it wasn't great, because it was for a time in the NFL. It's just I I have to agree with you. You can't you just you have to be more of a running back than a receiver to kind of make this list for me. So I think that's kind of where he kind of falls short for me. Not that he wasn't great at what he did and make some great plays, but in my mind, all those guys we mentioned. Um, straight-ahead runners, guys that you knew you could depend on to get their own yards, and that's what I think the, the 
essence of that list should be about at running back. Who's the one guy in this list you wish you got to watch? Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I think Jim Brown, obviously, number one. Um, but, I mean, some of the yeah. old-timers, like you said, you know, Bronco Nagurski, Dutch Clark. I mean, these guys, you know, you hear the names. You don't really know who they are. Um, you want to go back and see, you know, what they were like, what it was like to watch that guy run, um, and the style of game they even play. You know, it's a totally different style than it is now with passing and all that. So I think any of those old names, really, when you think back, I, you know, you could, you could probably make a case for any of those guys pre 80s that we weren't really able to watch because it's just so different in the league the way it is now is so different than it was and you know for people that really appreciate the running back position and really you know like to see the like you know like to see a good running back operate I mean there's not really much of that now like you said you don't really see that anymore in the NFL you don't see the you know the big name running backs anymore like you used to so I, really any of those guys but I think Jim Brown obviously is, is one one a because he's just a guy that, you know, you knew was so good. You know, everybody's dad, grandparents, I mean, whoever it is, they all point to Jim Brown. So I want to see it, you know, beyond just watching it on YouTube. I want to see it live. I want to see it you know, on TV one day in the 1960s. You know, it would have been cool to watch, certainly. And, you know, I, I mean, O.J., in a way, uh, you want to see him. You know, I wish I would have seen him run because we only think of O.J. one way. And, it's, you know, it's the trial of century. It's, you know, all the, the trouble right. with the law. After that, we don't get to think of him as a running back. And that's one thing when you think about what happened with OJ. It always blows my mind to think back, like, you know, to hear somebody explain to you, like, you don't realize what he was, how big he was, and, what, and why that was so significant. When we're growing up in 1993-94, we don't understand why OJ Simpson was significant. Well, a lot of people understood it because they watched him run, they watched him through college, they watched him into the pros. It was that hard to believe. So he's what I think up right up high on that list is somebody you want to see um, and watch to, to know how great they were and what they meant, not just to the game, but to the, to the community as a whole and in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I got uh, Dickerson because when they had that football life that they do on NFL Network uh, a couple of years ago, I was amazed by his highlights. And when he retired, I think he was number two all-time in rushing yards. Um, I think he was number two behind uh, Walter Payton. And I, like, you know, he obviously with the Rams, he was amazing. No, no running back in the history of leagues had a better first two years than him. Uh, led the Rams back to the NFC title game in 85 where they, I mean, they, they ran into the 85 Bears. What are you going to do? And then went to the Colts and was great there. Um, I think if he would have stayed with the Rams, he would he would be more revered. But he he's like I mean I have to put Emmett in the top my in the top four like I have to even though I didn't earlier in this podcast I'm contradicting myself but right outside of that is 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 uh, Dickerson and Sayers um I think that's like I think the top six all time in my world is is like locked um one yep. guy didn't make the list that should have probably was Zonka because he was the backbone yeah. of the early seventies Dolphins I thought he should have. He should have gotten some love there as well. But a couple of things we we didn't get to on this podcast uh, that we will on the next one, I I think, we'll be officiating. And just in general, like, where is the NFL today in its 100th season? Like, is the state of the NFL good? Um, I I think if you're down with that, Max, maybe next time we'll we'll discuss that. Because I think with officiating, with the 17-game seasons, with all the head stuff, I think there's a lot we can hit there. Um, oh, we could do last thing, where can people find your work? <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't work together anymore, but, but where can people find what you're doing? I'm at heavy, uh, heavy.com. So you go there and it's 
sports page. You click on the sports link. Um, Detroit Lions on heavy. We I read all about the Detroit Lions there, so you can read all my game previews, game reviews, anything that happens during the week breakdowns. Just did a piece uh, yesterday about you know why the Lions should really sit down Matthew Stafford off of this back injury and what he should you know what they should do moving forward with him for his safety. Uh, we talked a little bit about Bo Scarborough's emergence over there as well as a potential uh, a solution in the backfield. So a lot of good stuff going on over there, not just uh, as as a sports but as a whole. If you're into the politics, if you're into to TV, everything you could ever be into, Heavy's got it. We've got it all over there. So give the site a look. Get lost on it. It's a great place to, to learn and grow and figure out, you know, anything you need to know about a topic. So that's where you can find me uh, on Heavy.com and, uh, and with the focus on the Detroit Lions. No one has better hours in this field than Max does. Man, I'm jealous. But Buddy <laughs> works hard, man. He definitely works hard. Uh Hey, Max, this is a lot of fun, man. Uh, we kind of danced around some topics, uh, hit, the, hit up the Lions, hit up the Steelers. Um, I'm sure we'll do another one sooner rather than later, maybe maybe next week. And, uh, yeah, hopefully yeah. hopefully your Lions can, can get a win this week. And, uh, yeah, the Steelers, if, man, I, I gosh, if they can't – to me, if they win these two games, I don't – next two games, I honestly really don't care what happens the rest of the year. If you can beat these two Ohio teams, win some bragging rights – uh, I'll be able to sleep this off season. Okay. So, uh, Hey, thanks again, Max. It, it was a blast, man, as always. And uh, hoping to do this again soon. For sure. Take care so much. Thank you.